0: Trent Rush. This is Brandon Marsh the Los Angeles Angels and 66ers six baseball. This is Joe Adele here with the Los Angeles Angels.
2: Sorry, honey, You're listening to the All Angels Podcast. What is going on, Angel fans? This is Dan Garcia with another episode of the All Angels Podcast. This is part two of the Angels Podcast Summit that um, I did with... Derek C. Apala from Talking Halos, and then Taylor Blake Ward from Locked On Angels. Uh, so again, this is part two, so I really recommend going to Talking Halos. It dropped yesterday. Download that. That's part of our conversation. This will be part of our conversation, and then uh, Taylor Blake Ward will will put out the next and last uh, part of this, you know, summit that we put together. Um, first time we're doing it, and hopefully it won't be the last because it was a lot of fun. So before I play the The interview just real quick. We recorded this Sunday night before Yasmani Grandal's signing with the White Sox because we do talk about possible um, catching free agents, and obviously he is would be the number one guy. But uh, you know uh, he signed today uh, or Thursday, so I would just give you a heads up. We do talk about him. We do talk about kind of where he would fit with the Angels and stuff like that, but. Um, at the time of recording he was still a free agent so um, you know I, I left it in because I still like the conversation that we had and and, and all that stuff but uh, it's in here we recorded it Sunday night uh, but here but before we get to that before we get to that I cannot forget our sponsor my bookie um, football season is winding down foot, uh, pro and college and don't worry, we have basketball. All you Laker fans out there, Lakers are absolutely killing it. But my bookie is the number one place to go and place bets online. They have the best player perks in the business. Um, like I said, you can go NFL, you can go college, you can go uh, NBA. Uh, you know, and just go there and check out all the games and all the prop bets that they can do uh, for you there. And now we have a special offer for our listeners. You go there, set up an, set up an account. They will match your your deposit up to a thousand dollars. So, you know, you put in two hundred bucks, they'll give you an extra two back. So you put in five hundred, give you an extra five back. So, not only can you bet more, but you also make larger bets, and and you could try a parlay. Uh, you heard me talk about them before. You know, you don't have to put so much down, but they get a big payout. So, when you're giving you this extra cash, you know, why not put it towards that? All you have to do is use promo code chair at my bookie. Um, when you check out again, that's promo code share to double your cash. Visit mybookie.ag today. You pay, you play, you win, you get paid. So again, this is the part two of the Angels Podcast Summit. Here you go. The next guests on the All Angels Podcast are, are two guys that I, I personally listen to all the time. That's Derek C. Apollo from the um, Talking Angels. Talking Angels, blah. And Taylor Blake Ward from Locked On Angels. We are having one hell of a night tonight, and this is going to be part two of the three-part Angel Podcast Summit series. The first one we're doing, and hopefully not the last, because this is actually a, a, a ton of fun to do. So, Derek, how are you doing tonight?
1: It's a wonderful evening. It's the the late hours for me now. I'm getting sleepy.
2: <laughs> we'll, we'll get this going. Taylor, how are you doing?
1: Um, Peachy, boys. Peachy. He said, he, he said peachy i said yeah.
2: peachy group gravy i'm gravy i think i think that the, the late hours are getting to all of us so here we go uh you know the first thing i want to kind of talk about too is, is free agency and and all the craziness that's coming uh with it um uh, obviously the number one name out there for the angels at least and probably for a lot of the teams is garrett cole um the, the idea of him coming home, him coming back to Anaheim and, and, and pitching in front of his hometown, uh, do you think, how much do you think that actually weighs on, you know, maybe not just Garrett Cole, but more of a broader sense on players' minds in general? Uh, we'll go, uh, De- Derek first, go ahead.
1: Wait, whoa, you said on the players' minds?
2: Yeah, like, like when, because to me, this whole coming home thing started with LeBron going back to Cleveland. But before that, you really didn't hear a whole lot of "I'm going to go home and play for the hometown team." But like, do you think that's actually a thing in players that players think about? Like, they want to go home, or do you think it's just something kind of the fans and and, and the media kind of? It, it's a it's a cool it's a cool uh, you know headline.
1: You know, I'm going to tell you a story. Okay, I joined the Navy in 1997, right out of high school, and over the course of many years, I I, I did. Two deployments overseas. I saw all these different countries. I was stationed in all these different places. Uh, eventually, got out of military, moved back to the states. Was in D.C. Was in Columbus, Ohio. Was in Cincinnati. Was in out in Colorado. And as time went on, I did feel that draw home. And eventually got a job at home, moved back. And My point isn't to talk about me. It's but the point that. Every person has their story. Every person has a way that a value to them. Like some people would never want to go home again. They they if they could, they'd be three thousand miles away, they will. And some people, they look at the nostalgia of being home on the beach or being the home coming the hometown kid who came home and made good and and helped bring this team a World Series or something like that. So I, it really depends on the person. And for Garrett Cole, maybe it is. Or Maybe it's a money play. I guess we're going to find out.
0: Yeah, and I think it does change person to person, as Derek said. But I also think that this is something that you see more at the tail end of careers. Obviously, LeBron is a little bit special of a case. But you also have to look at where the organization is. You're not going to go to your home team knowing that the next five years are going to be a rebuild. And you're a peak-time All-Star who's looking for a World Series win. Um, you, know, you have offers from... World Series caliber teams. Uh, your home team may not be that team. Uh, the money is going to be better You know, halfway across the country, whatever it is. Every scenario is different. I think this plays in much more at the end of careers uh, than it does at the peak of careers. Um, but when it comes to, you know, some people just love going home. I mean, I love being here at my, in my hometown. Um, I wouldn't trade it for a lot of things, but I also don't have – 400 million dollars waiting for me in new york or i don't have a world series ring waiting for me in uh texas so you know i don't have those options and i can't it it does change for every single person the angels
2: last year if we go back a little bit the free agent market last year with uh some of those pitchers, it seemed like they were kind of set on this is how much we're going to offer if they take it great if not we're not going to really budge from it do you think they have that kind of approach? Or do you think they should have that kind of approach with a Garrett Cole with the money that he's going to be demanding um, in this upcoming uh, free agency period? We'll go with Taylor first.
1: I
0: think Artie Moreno is fully aware of what needs to be done and what a guy like Garrett Cole really does bring to the table for this organization. Um, you know, we look back at last winter. He tried to get Patrick Corbin, and he put out a lot of money trying to get him. Uh, Nate Ivaldi, he tried to get him. Um, all these pitchers, he tried to get a ton of pitchers, and they just kind of went in a different route, whether it was the money or whether it was the opportunity. You know, like we were saying, sometimes the home home team played out, uh, or like Wilson Contreras, uh, not Wilson Contreras, um, Wilson Ramos, wanted to stay on the East Coast, so he did. It all changes in those kind of scenarios. Um, So I think that Artie Moreno is viewing this and being like, look, I'm going to put the money out there, and I'm going to try and get the big-time free agents. And I think that you know if he gets outbid, I'd be really surprised. But I could also see the free agents saying, look, we want to stay in this location, or we view this as a new opportunity, and that's what we're going to go with.
1: I think that it's... (laughs) Spend early, spend often. I'm quoting Jared today. I think the, the Angels are going to go after them. They're going to go hard after them. I think they understand that next year's free agency class is, is nowhere near as deep. And so like last year, I think they had limits because they knew they had this year's backup. This year, they don't really have that. And also, if you're trying to kind of gap expenses, like if, you, if you're talking about pitching, where's our biggest need is pitching and they don't have anybody really right now in the minors who can come up right away and make an impact. They're still developing those guys. If you're going to spend, now's the time to do it. You get yourself an ace. You have a guy you help stand the gap while you're developing players. It makes the most sense now. So they have, at least have to try and throw the money at him and see if he it takes it. They have to try and go for it. So and, oh, Sorry. Yeah, I mean – you just don't have a choice, I think, in this matter. If you're going to go for it, it's time.
0: And and one more thing to add on. Last year, they didn't suddenly have a $430 million investment. Mike Trout was still a question mark. Now it's not.
2: No, that's a very, very good point. Now that you know you have Trout locked down for, you know, you can pretty much say for the majority, the rest of his career, it's definitely now time to build, if any. Another A pitcher that's beginning a lot of buzz and and Angel fans would love to see come to Anaheim is Zach Wheeler. Um, Obviously, not everybody can be financially in on the Garrett Cole unless they're willing to spend crazy amount of money over the luxury tax and stuff like that. But doesn't that mean? Do you feel that means Zach Wheeler's demand is going to be even, even just as high maybe as Garrett Cole? Uh, We'll go Taylor first.
0: I think that with the qualifying offer, you kind of have to start playing a little bit differently because is Garrett Cole worth two draft picks? Absolutely. So suddenly you get Garrett Cole and you look at Zach Wheeler and you're like, yeah, you know what? He's worth that second draft pick because it changes our organization for the next three years. And it also, you know, these three years, we're not really losing anything by losing that second and third round pick. If you're looking at it now and you're like, yeah, you know, Zach Wheeler, suddenly we're losing that second round pick. Then you start kind of looking at the finances of it and you're like, well, let's see where we are and let's see what else is on the rest of the market. I think Zach Wheeler is arguably the second best pitcher on the market. Um, There's, you know, plenty of different arguments there. Um, But Zach Wheeler fits what the Angels are looking for. But another big item when it comes to Zach Wheeler is health, and he just has not been healthy for most of
1: his career. It's the scary thing about the Angels right now is you're kind of damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. If You need pitching. You need it now. And the only pitcher in that top tier that's been held throughout his career is Garrett Cole. You have Strasburg, who's been hurt. You have Wheeler, who's been hurt. Go down the line. and All these guys have injury concerns. And you say, well, then knock on wood, Cole's next. So... To kind of pick your poison, you're, you're, you're risking in so many different directions. I don't envy the Angels being in this position because they put themselves here. They really did. You are in a position now where I really believe you have to make a move in free agency. Not that you want to, you have to, and everyone then comes with pretty big risks.
2: Yeah, obviously, pitching is the number one, two, and three probably priority in the Angels. Uh, this uh, free agency season. But uh, Derek, I, I've heard you mention a, a handful of times on your podcast about the catching, how you like to see a catcher um, pick up with the angels. How do you feel about, you know, obviously you, you mentioned um, like uh, bringing back Maldonado and even after, even also going after a, uh, a grand doll. if, would you rather see a combination of a Cole grandall signing, or like, or or if you had to give up that catching uh, free agent signing for pitching depth, how? Which way would you rather lean?
1: Well, I am going to go with you. Go get your pitcher. Go get your pitching first. They, you can get a catcher that can call game. Max Tassie can call game. Will he hit anything? No. Like, you can call a game. You can make a move via trade for a catcher, and it's not going to you, cost you what it's going to cost you for you know, good pitching. It's just not going to cost you the arm and leg. So go get your pitchers. If, if the free agent pitchers that are out there are the guys you like, then go get them, and then go make a move via trade if you have to. The only problem is it doesn't they a whole lot, so they, they kind of have to – be intentional about this and see what, they, what interest they find. I would love to have Grindall, But, you know, there's rumors, too, about Contreras. There's rumors about other guys as well. So I say go sign the guys you want. If you have to make a trade for catcher, go do it.
0: And I think run prevention can come in so many different ways. And I think that having a great defensive catcher is a part of run prevention, adding in with the pitchers. But I definitely agree with Derek. You have to have pitching before you have anything. And that's your primary run prevention is your pitching staff. So you have to go focus in on the pitchers. If you have the luxury of adding, um, you know, a Wilson Contreras or whoever that catcher is on the, on the market, you know, I've always said this when it comes to catchers, I care more about their run prevention abilities than their hitting abilities, their run production abilities. and, if you get a guy that is a run prevention catcher that also has run production, uh, you know value, that's just a big plus. So Yasmani Grandal is fantastic; he's worth the the dimes and nickels. Um, I'm not sure if that fourth year is going to work out. I think that's a little bit of a risk. But you know, you go get a Martín Maldonado or you go get a uh, Jason Castro or a Travis Darno. Um, I think that that's fine. I think those are guys that are going to afford you some amount of run prevention. And also add on just a tick to your run production. Um, that said, right now looking at Kevin Smith, I think that he's a great run production guy. Just I don't like his run prevention abilities.
2: And, and you mentioned the Contreras, you know, rumors out there. What would you feel is a reasonable, you know, if the Angels did want to pursue that? What do you feel would be a reasonable? You know, trade back and forth b- between both teams. We'll go uh, Taylor first.
0: I mean, this is a 2 3 win catcher on the average. Uh, he's still young. There's a, a chance at maybe getting more out of him. Maybe he will regress just a, a little bit. Um, it all depends on how much you want to use him. But Joe Madden already knows Wilson Contreras really well, and he knows what he can do with this guy. So I think he'd be great for the Angels. Um, I do think it is going to cost you a bit because he's young first-year arbitration this winter. Um, I think it's going to cost you a guy like Brandon Marsh. I think it's going to cost you someone that's in that top 100 conversation. Um, And if you don't use that, I think you're looking at, you know, I still think you're looking at the top of your uh, prospect pipe, you know, your pipeline and looking at that and saying, you know, who can we part with to add this? And is it really worth it? And I think that if you did, it would be someone like a Brandon Marsh, like a Jordan Adams that would kind of headline this trade.
1: Oh man, you got me that's that's where I was going The thing that pop my mind was it's gonna cost Brandon Marsh. That's who's gonna cost. and because you're not gonna go if you have any pitching you think is gonna be valuable, you're not gonna trade that because you're short on pitching. You don't have a lot of depth everywhere else, so it leads you to the outfield. and the first thing that's gonna come up is gonna be Brandon marsh you're not you're not part of Adele he said I don't think you are, so. It's Marsh, and that's why we keep talking about whispers. You know, is he that guy who the angels will part with? And I think it is. I think he's the first guy. He's the he's the he's he's like your if you have an ace in your hole right now, that's going to be Joe Adele. That's the mega trade guy, the guy you would never want to trade, but if you get the right offer, you might think about it. And then there's Brandon Marsh, who's your he's your king. He's the next card in the deck. Who your next high card that. If you need somebody, that's the guy you deal. I can't even, you know, I don't want that to happen, but that's the one that's obvious to me.
2: So something that I, I it kind of stuck with me with uh, Artie Moreno during the time that Madden got uh, the press conference, he said that the, the he was willing to spend more money this year, you know, and in my mind, for whatever reason, went automatically to, well, does that mean he's going to be willing to off to eat contracts, whether it be a trade or letting guys go um, like a like a Cozart that just, you know, due to injury, just hasn't worked out for the Angels. How do you guys feel about, you know, the added money? Uh, are you willing to spend more money? And, and do you think that would also go to maybe – um, eating some of these contracts that are you know, maybe a year left on them or, or in a possible trade, like an Upton, maybe eating partial uh, of that contract, just getting something um, something back and, and, and spending the money that way. We'll go uh, Derek first on this one.
1: I don't know about eating contracts. They've had enough of that. I think that in terms of spending money, they're going to me straight for agency. They're going to spend somewhere, and they're going to go ahead and, and get close to – in the luxury tax threshold is going to be going after the pitchers you need. It's going to be going after a Cole or a Wheeler or another tier guy. Or maybe, and I keep saying this because in my gut, I kind of feel like it's going to happen. I'm, I would not be surprised if they tried to address a position player somewhere out there. Kind of like a shock. It was It was a huge shock when they went and got Vladimir Guerrero. No one saw that one coming. And all of a sudden he signed. It would not surprise me if they went that route, knowing that in a year or so they got some salary coming off the books as well. I, I just don't see them taking on contracts or making deals. I just think at this point, this is Pujols, by the way. Pujols may be a guy they – he's he's done in two years anyway. So, I mean, I just don't see them eating a whole lot at this point unless they have to. And I don't see them operating in any way except for straightforward free agency trades.
0: And I I've said this for some time when it comes to Zach Kozar, you got to see what his injury is. If he's incapable of playing baseball, you know, you just buy out that contract. And also you look in and if he comes back and he's somewhat healthy, then suddenly, you know, you start looking a little bit more and, and you say, uh, you know, are we going to go and let him play a little bit or are we not? Because what does he bring to the team? I don't think that I think Albert Pujols is still a valuable asset. I know that you know numbers kind of play tricky here, but what he brings to the clubhouse and and you can argue that that doesn't matter, but I think it does especially when it comes to this kind of coaching staff and everything um but at the same time you know bringing on new contracts I mean are, are you, Dan if you don't mind me asking are you talking like a David price kind of thing or or what are you kind of talking about here
2: no not necessarily like. Like, if they're trying to trade away, let's say, Upton and eating part of that contract, using that extra money flow for that, and, you know, depending on who's ready, if if Joe comes up, but yet, you know, uh, Goodwin is outperforming Upton, because, kind of like what we've talked before is about his injury history. If he's injured, do you maybe package him in a deal with a lower uh, minor leaguer? take some of the money and, and try to get something back from that way? Or do you just, you know, have to play it out for what it is?
0: I don't see a team taking on that contract. Even, I mean, unless Justin Upton comes back and puts up the numbers he did in, what was that, 2018 when the trade was? Is that Yeah, I mean, he was, what, he finished top 10 in MVP voting? He finished like fifth or sixth, didn't he? I mean, if, if that's the guy that you're getting, then it's a different story. Obviously, you know, there's going to be teams that are going to be like, yeah, you know, we'll take on the contract for that. But um, I don't, even if it's, you know, part of that contract is bought out, I, I don't see them getting rid of Justin Epta by any means.
2: So, kind of going fast forward now to the next year's free agency class, and obviously with Trout Games signed this last year, the next big name that would be coming off uh, to free agency would be handleton simmons uh, how do you feel or what are your thoughts about him re-signing do you think the angels move on from him at the end of next year and we'll go uh taylor first
0: um you have some options but do you really trust david fletcher or Luis ranjifo at shortstop for that kind of length that kind of time um Andrelton seems to want to play for Anaheim, Anaheim, I I guess, Los Angeles. My apologies. Uh, It seems like the Angels want to keep him around. It seems like he wants to be around with the Angels. Um, But that money figure, you know, you got to figure out where does Andrelton Simmons kind of play into everything. His, uh, going back to this, his run prevention ability is outstanding, and seeing his offense pick up to run production, you've got a really good player when he's healthy. Now, this wasn't his best year, obviously. Uh, not as healthy as year, but I think that you know Andrelton Simmons. Yeah, the age is going to bite you a little bit, but if you can talk to him and say, "Look, we're going to give you four years at you know fifteen to twenty million dollars a year or something," that's really good financial stability for for Andrelton, and it also gives the Angels a shortstop for a couple of years. So I think that there's an option there to retain him. I think that both parties are very interested, but I also think that if the Angels suddenly acquired a shortstop. Um, you know, it kind of does make Andrew Simmons a little bit more of a luxury for other teams.
1: How much per year? I said what did I say? I said 20 million per year. So you said like, 15 20.
0: I, I say 50 I did say 15 so I'm gonna raise it. I'm gonna say 20 20 flat. So I'll say a 480 deal.
1: 15 to 20 per year. He's making six now. He's gonna be 30 years old uh, 31 in September next year. That's too much right now when they're, when they're trying to when they're bringing the payroll for other players to come in there that, that's gonna, that's gonna be a budget issue with him It's not going to be they don't want to pay the guy but at his age and coming off an injury this a set of injuries this year when he's been durable in the past again at that, that thirty thirty one 31 year old flesh uh, not flesh Jesus it's weird threshold threshold that's a dangerous place to give a guy a 15 20 million dollar contract. As a shortstop, especially when he's, while a great fielder, he's not going to be a huge bat for you. I mean, I don't see, I don't see that value there.
0: So are you thinking like a 345 or are you thinking a 340?
1: Oh man, I don't know. I, I just, I think the mistake that this team has made in the past is that they've, Paid for players past performances to the point now where everything they do is going to be questioned for players over 30, 31 years old. And I look at him being, give me 31 next September, so he'll be 31 he, as he hits free agency. I guess what you're really paying for, though, more than anything else, is what? You're paying for the, for the defense, right? He's a lifetime yeah. 68er. I mean, that's what you're paying for. Is he worth fifteen, twenty million dollars a year just for the defense? With it with an average bat. I don't I mean honestly, I a money amount there you know, I I would usually say it's it's not worth it, but he's also meant so much to this franchise. That's a good question. I just thought I think it's probably too much. I'm trying to think of a better number.
0: You also have to start thinking, you know, is Will Wilson gonna be ready? Because I, I mentioned David Fletcher and Luis Ranjifo who are they're capable of playing shortstop, but the value definitely decreases defensively, right? Yes. Yeah. But yeah. is a guy like Will Wilson whose run production abilities gonna be able to outperform the run, you know, prevention abilities? Is he gonna be able to stay at shortstop? Is he gonna be ready within a certain span of time? Um, where does Jeremiah Jackson come into play? Which he's probably still a year or two beyond that. Um, you know, I, personally, I think that, and I may have spoken ahead of myself, I didn't even think about it, give him a qualifying offer. Right. See, see if he takes it. If he takes it, you've got in Elton Simmons for another year. If he doesn't, you get a draft pick.
2: Yeah, and that's kind of what I was going to go next with, Jeremiah Jackson. Do you, would you feel comfortable, okay, let's just say for whatever reason, the numbers don't work out simmons goes to another team or, or, or declines the qualifying offer how long at that point do you think they need to find a shortstop like move a fletcher there for what you thinking what another year two years before like a, a jackson is ready to play that
1: position i mean that's my concern they're going to go pay big money out and they have a, a lot of middle infielders right now coming through the system it would be it would be so easy to say pay the money when you know there's no one behind you but you have a bunch of guys who can cover short. And uh, the fueling, I know Renifo is not in any way Simmons fueling-wise, but he's a young guy who we kept seeing getting better and better and better throughout the year. Money-wise, he saves you a bunch. And you got guys coming up the pipe. I'm not. That's my real conundrum with Simmons. It's like, do you pay him that kind of money knowing that you have other guys coming and guys are going to be cheaper. What's the trade-off defense for that? I mean, Will Wilson's a great example of that. Although I think, don't you think I'm not, I mean, I thought Will Wilson's probably gonna be a second baseman at some point.
0: Yeah. And that's where I was going to go with it is, looking at this and Simmons defense even with some regression is still at the top of the league he's still the best defender and what that does for your run prevent shortstop is the second most important defensive position on the field I think that there's some people that will argue it's the most important um, Luis friend Hifo is fantastic but he's not even he's not even Freddie Galvis right now you know and Freddie Galvis can't hit a lick and Luis Van Hifo kind of can but the defense just it's it's not is it league average even? And David Fletcher, is it league average defense at shortstop? Uh, is Will Wilson going to be a league average defender at shortstop? I don't think so. Is Jeremiah Jackson going to be there? I don't think so. I think he moves over to third base. So I think that you're starting to look at this and saying, look, we still need defense at shortstop, even if it means that we're going to take a hit offensively. And whether that's Renhefo, Fletcher, Wilson, Um, Jackson, who I think Jeremiah Jackson, you know, we have to keep in mind, he's only 19 years old. So we're still talking about three years down the road, two, three years down the road. Will Wilson, maybe he's a year or two away here, but I still think that that qualifying offer is going to be very important, especially if he takes it or a little bit, you know, if he's willing to take like a two year deal or a three year deal, I think that Simmons would still be a great piece for the angels right there. Um, And like you said, Derek, the money is so important when it comes to all of this.
2: Now, is there any situation you can see at all? Your wildest situation where the Angels would trade or seriously, maybe not trade them, but seriously think about trading a Simmons this year for some kind of uh, younger piece?
1: I don't think so. I don't think they would do that. They, They have pieces and I think they're trying to win now. So Let's say a catcher became available that could do the job they want. That may be somebody they would move him for. I don't see them moving him for a younger piece when they're at the point now where they're still talking with them about coming back, and he's still a great fielder. No, I think it's if it's, if it's for anything, it's, prefer- it's for a veteran that you need.
0: Uh, i'm in the same no way i i don't see how they do and if they do you know who's what shortstop's available right now i mean i know i i don't see it anyway. any
2: way so he's pretty much a lockdown angel for the rest of the season so for any fans that will will pop up and say hey they should trade simmons that's probably not going to happen um especially if the angels are competing the way a lot of people feel they should this coming year um so kind of uh, you know, this will kind of be the last topic because uh, it's, it's getting fairly late. But one topic that I want to talk to you guys with, and, and you guys being just kind of baseball people in general, the whole um, stealing signs electronically thing going on with the Houston Astros right now. I'm interested to see and hear what your guys' perspective on that whole that whole situation is. And we'll go with Derek first.
1: Oh Well, wow. we had this discussion on... Talking halos earlier this week. Oh man! <laughs> <laughs> so what John brought up on the show was we've seen cheating in baseball throughout the years in various different places, whether it be from Barry Bonds or whatever. And and I just my contention is this: players on the field, they're always going to look for an edge. You're on the field; you're in the field competition. Cheating is still wrong even then, okay? But now you have executives and team employees influencing the game or attempting to in a way. At least you're seeing evidence of it. If all this evidence is the real deal, and it's not even about the players on the field, but it's everybody involved, even though stealing signs isn't really, I think, that big of a deal, it's still a cheat that involves people who aren't even on the field of play. And the fact that you're finding these different ways to do it, that's a big problem to me. That's a really big problem to me. And what's worse about it is that the Astros, they didn't need it. They they built that whole thing up from the ground to where it is. They were the best team in baseball that year. They were among the best this year. It's an astro... Next step. This is all true. At the very least, it's an asterisk. But you're also putting Major League Baseball in a bad position because if they don't punish the Astros harshly, then you're setting a precedent for future teams to get away with stuff too. Well, we can always get forgiveness. We can go get a title now or try and get a title now, and if we get caught, oh well, it's no big deal. Derek, they put baseball in a bad position.
2: Derek, real quick, what in your idea is then a, a reasonable punishment? Because I don't think they can go back like the NCAA and start revoking titles and stuff like that.
1: No, they uh, can't. That's so, the worst so, thing you can so do. So
2: what, then what, what in your, your mind would be a you know, reasonable uh, punishment for an organization with if all this that's coming out is true?
1: been giving that one some thought. And obviously you're not going to strip a title away. You're not going to. There's gonna be an asterisk there for sure. Uh, you can, it's huge fees, loss of allocation money, um, loss of draft picks. I mean, there's different things. The only problem is, does a punishment fit the crime in that in that area? You're punishing them on developmental level for something at the major league level. So, that's part of my contention that you put MLB in a bad position because I don't have any answer for that. How do you punish them for that? Do you take away all technology from them in their home stadium for two years or something like that? Is that even possible? I don't know. I mean, Taylor, maybe you have a better idea of it, of how you would punch a team like that. But I can't think of many that will actually work outside of the stuff I mentioned.
0: Uh, I mean, I'm I'm grinning ear to ear just trying to figure out what my answer is and listen to this. Um, You ain't cheating. You ain't trying. I mean that's that's just kind of baseball. So here's my perception: here is um, when it comes to this, the Astros are using all assets they have to improve their baseball team, and whether you know that's still cheating, but there is no written rule about what they've done. I mean, there's no rule that's written in the book saying, "Look, what you did was illegal" or whatever it is. I love that you brought out that this is something that's happening off the field that's impacting the players on the field, Derek. I love that. It's is including employees that have nothing to do with the field of play. Um, but personally, you know, there's people that work for NASA when it comes to the Astros. I say screw it. Put a satellite up in the air and relay signs <laughs> from the satellite. I mean, <laughs> you know, this is totally it, – it's so new and interesting to me in baseball. I, I don't like it. I'm not saying that I like it or I approve of it. But it's just something where it's like, how can you really do the, you know, how can you say to the Astros, be like, look, we're taking away, uh, you know, three first round picks, um, your international signing money is gone. Um, and like you said, that goes into uh, developmental staff. It goes into that stuff. But then you say, you know, your allocations are different. We're going to find you guys. Um, suddenly, uh, whatever it is, right? People are losing their jobs. You can fight that legally. The Astros can fight any of this legally. And there's just not rules in place that say that what the Astros did here is illegal. Um, what I think is very interesting is the article from Ken Rosenthal and Evan Drellich, of course, who noted that this turned into something where the organization is a little bit at fault here because they're asking scouts to kind of come up with concepts or actual proof of what's going on. Um, I mean, every team's cheating, stealing signs, doing something, you know. Uh, every pitcher is using com- some uh, some kind of substance to get their pitches to break a little bit more. And that's, you know, you ask any pitcher, and, and they're honest with you, every single pitcher is doing something, whether it's sunscreen or pine tar or baby oil, whatever it is, you know, every hitter is using a bit too much tar. Every player is using some kind of... Uh, not HGH necessarily, but all these enhan- you know, physical enhancements. Um, cheating is a part of baseball. And as much as that sucks, it's just the truth. And you're going to find something with 95% of the people in baseball and how they cheat. The Astros just cheated a hell of a lot better than anyone else.
2: It, it, so, like you said, Taylor, it, it's not quote-unquote against the rules because it's not written down. It's like the whole unwritten rules and baseball is real famous for that. It, what, I mean, to me, it, it seems kind of odd that baseball seems so almost like scared of technology in a way to where, I mean, you go to any high school football game in any area, and there's tablets and TVs, and, and they have live recording of the game right then and there, and they're trying to break down everything they can there, but yet baseball's like, no, you can't do that. You know, like, is, is baseball kind of always feels like behind the times when it comes to like, especially technology and stuff like that, uh, Taylor?
0: I don't necessarily agree with that. Um, I mean, yeah, there's – you know, I think that the mentality among baseball people is that technology's bad and it's not helping the game. I mean, I've got people that are like, spin rate's stupid, all this stuff. And it's like, you know what? No, screw that. Spin rate has proven success. And it's not just the spin – you know, I could get into the whole deal about this.
2: But, but that's more uh, that's more but, like off the field. Right. So I'm talking about like in-game kind of technology stuff.
0: Well, I mean, you look at, uh, just locally out here, uh, Junipero Sarah high school just installed insane amounts of trackman data. And that is going direct to the tablet that the coach has right in front of him. Um, Brett K has that right in front of him for every game, every practice. He's got all that information as right there at his disposal at the, in, you know, the opportunity that happens right then and there. Um, I think that we're seeing a lot of baseball players that are really adapting to this. You look at Trevor Bauer, who is nutty about you know his delivery, his release point, uh, where things are breaking, how he can improve using this technology. And that's what this technology is, is. It's an attempt to improve the players and improve the team. So, yes, I understand not liking it, but it does work. So it's not like it's something that suddenly you can sit there and, and be like, oh, this is a waste of my time. It shouldn't be. It's a very important asset to you. I love old school baseball. I still look at RBI totals. I look at batting average. I love batting average. I think it's an incredible stat. It's such a fun stat to look at. But when we're in reality, we're looking at the success of numbers in baseball, and a lot of these analytical teams are winning World Series. Look at the Houston Astros, the Boston Red Sox, the... Uh, Washington Nationals do you think you know they're using video technology in the in batting practice they're going down and looking at tapes of how to improve each other the angels are doing this too so personally I think that video technology just technology in general is assisting the game I think that a lot more people are on board with it but when you're saying about football basketball soccer I, yeah maybe you, I think you might be right there in saying that they're a little bit behind the times I think soccer uh, Derek you can Get me on this one, soccer is so far advanced when it comes to this technology. Um, and I you know, we don't even know and talk about it, but they're so far advanced ahead of everybody else.
1: Well, soccer also has problems with that technology as well. And that's the, yeah. that's the main <laughs> yeah. thing. Every time you implement something with technology, you have problems with it. So, you know, it's it's tough to say. Real quick, you talking about the rules. Can't forget, Major League Baseball, this is, this is coming from Yahoo Sports, um, they did take, quote, new me- measures prior to 2019 season to make their sign-selling rules more current with the times. Players can still try to figure out signs from second base, but the league outlawed outfield cameras, put all Ooh. broadcasts in the clubhouse and bullpens on an eight-second delay and limited live broadcast to each team's replay official. So there are rules in place.
0: Oh, that see that I had not read. So that changes my comments. It just wash my uh wash the record clean. Take take me off the record. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um no, and Derek, I'm just going to, you know, 5 seconds here. Knowing that now, yeah, the Astros are screwed. They shouldn't have done what they did. <laughs> but they also should have used the satellite like I said. You know, yeah, you yeah. got NASA at your disposal. Just use that stuff.
1: <laughs> Sorry, well, Derek. I mean, go on ahead there. <laughs> I'm just this is from that was um what February twenty nineteen, it was the actual original article or came out, like like Austin Young Sports just referenced on the twelfth. So it's easy to forget because February twentieth, we're thinking about other stuff at the point. I'm just looking at in terms of rules. If Major League Baseball is investigating it and they're still changing the rules, here's my question. If the technology is there and using technology for everything else, then you might as well just say screw it. And make it legal. Everybody can do it. I mean, that, that way you're not chasing ghosts. You're not trying to figure out who's got this and who's got this and who's got that. Well, just the, everybody hasn't. And everybody knows they're doing it. So you better find a new way to, to do your signs then. And then there's no more drama around it. In the meantime, I guess Taylor, I'm going to go back and ask his this question. What are you, knowing that now, what would be a fair punishment? Because I don't know. Well, you can't
0: necessarily punish the player. I mean, this is a. You got to find out what the investigation brings up. Because Mike Fires came out and said, yeah, you know what? I had this information at my disposal, all of this stuff, but it hurt the pitchers in a sense. Um, I. Heck, man, I don't know. I just do not know. And it may include, um, you know, banning people from baseball, it may include. Um, I mean, I think the biggest thing is we're going to see drastic rule changes for 2020 drastic rule changes and that's going to come back and it's going to be like, yeah, well, the Houston Astros use tape to, you know, identify this stuff. I also think that you're going to look at people that, you know, the only way that you can do these things and really, um, uh, discipline a team when it comes to this stuff is taking away draft picks and taking away money and, the Astros have all kinds of money. You know, they've got plenty of money. It's not a concern there. And ownership's going to be pissed, and they're going to get rid of people. But whatever, it's still there. I just, I don't see a real way that they can take anything away from the Astros that's really going to impact them in a way that they impacted baseball here in the last three years. You can't give the Dodgers the World Series in 2017.
2: Right. I, You know, I just feel something's going to come down but at what point, okay, if they take draft picks and Taylor, you're probably more capable to answer this question. At what point in the draft does, if you take away a first round pick, obviously that's really going to hurt, but at what round do you feel where, okay, we take away the 10th or 12th uh, round, is that really going to hurt a team in the developmental uh, stages of their, of their, uh, of their organization?
0: No, no, it has to be a first or second round pick. I mean, I just noted the other day a second round pick for the from 2005 to 2010. The average career WAR of a second round pick was five point. It was a little over five, and that was the average per guy that made it to the major leagues. And only half of the second round picks even made it to the major leagues. So, even taking away a second round pick, that's not you know, it's not a big deal. It's really not. It has to be a first round pick, which. That's where, you know, the cream of the crop is. Um, but at the same time, the Astros being so successful, you're taking away a guy that's, what, a 25th to a 30th overall selection? That's not anywhere close to the same as a first overall pick. And that's almost, a, you know, it's getting closer to a second-round pick in that sense. Um, it, you've got to find other things. Maybe limit their international spending maybe find a way to, you know, a very large-scale fine. Um, But you can't take away wins. You can't take away any of this. Uh, You can't take away players that are currently within the organization. I just don't see how, outside of impacting their future, I don't see how you can really, you know, discipline them so seriously. You can't discipline them for the past at this point. Or you, you can discipline plici, <laughs> discipline them for the past, but you can't take anything away from the past.
1: But that's the problem, though, because you can't in oh, yeah, no. the past. You are saying precedent. That's why MLB is in this bad position because if you are saying precedent, then other teams won't won't be turned off from doing crap in the future because they're not going to take my title away. Why not? Go for it.
0: Absolutely, and, and that's I am not saying it's a good thing. I am just saying you cannot do it.
1: Yeah, uh, obviously, this
2: is going to be something real interesting to follow as more and more information comes comes available and, and, and maybe a ruling comes down before the end of the year, hopefully. But, um, you know, that's going to wrap it up. Derek, where can they um, listen to your podcast, follow you, your social media, and all that stuff?
1: You can follow me on Twitter at DC Paul. You can find Talking Halos at Talking Halos on Twitter. On Facebook, we have the Talking Halos page and the Talking Halos group where we basically just talk halos. Anyways, that's where you're gonna find us. All podcasts, pretty much anywhere you can find them.
0: Taylor, what about yourself? Uh, very similar. You know, you can follow me on Twitter at Taylor Blake Ward. You can follow Lockdown Angels on Twitter. Um, you can also check out lockdownangels.com or LockdownPodcast.com. we We got all kinds of teams NBA, NHL, NFL. Uh, so whatever, you know, your favorite teams are, we probably have a show for you. It's about 15 minutes long every day. Um, and, uh, you know, it's been a pleasure. So, Dan, Derek, thank you so much, man. Or both of you. <laughs>
2: yeah, This has been great. Thank you guys very much for the time. Um, again, this is part two of a three-part series. So after you're, you're done listening here, go to talk. or I believe the next one's going to be Locked On Angels. They'll have the, the third part of this series. So definitely go and check that out again guys thank you very much uh, and have a good night
1: we're out of here
0: hey, hey what's up johnny catfish here ambassador for Groom goon beard and body care
1: are you tired of your beard feeling rough and not so fresh do yourself a favor and do what i did and check out www.groomgoon.com.
0: This is hook vicious.
2: Listen to my show, the punk corner on KJ Epic radio, every Thursday from 5.
1: P.M. to 7. P.M.
0: And then
2: that was our conversation again. Uh, this is part two of a three part series that we have on, uh, this podcast. Obviously, if you listen to it now, you heard it, but definitely if you haven't go back to talking, halos. they're out yesterday and definitely look forward to the all, uh, locked on angels with Taylor Blake Ward on Friday. Um, you know, there's a couple of things. We, I kind of mentioned it at the beginning about Yarzmani Grandal signing with the White Sox. Also, there was uh, some movement on the 40-man roster this last couple of days. And uh, Jemai Jones and uh, Hector Yan got uh, promoted or whatever you want to call it, got brought up to the 40-man roster, which is really cool for them. Um, you know, uh, if you listen to this podcast, uh, you know, I think probably almost the last year, we've had Jemai Jones on twice. A really good dude, really cool dude. Um, It's awesome to see him out there and and getting that chance to get brought up to the 40-man roster. So that means, you know, obviously more time for spring training, a little more money in his pocket. And, you know, it's literally that one more step to getting to the Angels, which is really cool as a guy that we've seen Johnny and I from – Uh, you know, Inland Empire, and then obviously with Mobile, you know, still has some work to do. Uh, Kind of a surprise, I think, by some people. Some people knew that that was probably going to be the guy, but um, offensively, if he can get that going, you know, there's a lot of swing changes he's done over his career, his minor league career. Uh, It would help out a lot for the Angels to have this more depth, more MLB-ready depth for that. And I, you know, as far as Hector Yan, a guy that You know, a pitcher that really has not been at a high level yet as far as um, uh, in the system. You know, his highest level, I believe, is low A. Um, Wouldn't be surprised if he broke out of uh, this year uh, or came out of spring training into high A LN Empire. And then maybe, you know, depending on how that goes, works its way quick through the system, kind of like a Griffin County. I'm not saying that. He's going to be that kind of quality pitcher, but he did turn a lot of heads this year, and and they put him on the 40-man roster for a reason. So um, for people that don't know, the Rule 5 draft is coming up at the winter meetings in the beginning of December. Um, There they have a Rule 5 draft, which means players that are off the 40-man roster and have X amount of experience in the minors are eligible for any team to pick up. Angels coming into this week was at the 40 man roster was at 38. And kind of like I mentioned before, Hector Yon and Jeremiah Jones both got promoted or whatever you want to call it to the 40 man, so they're safe. Everyone else is kind of fair game. The only thing about it is if you draft someone off that Rule 5 draft, they have to be on your what will now be a 26 man roster the whole year. Um, if they get sent down, they automatically now have an option of going back to. Um, the previous team which you know in this case would be the angels if someone takes uh, uh, one of our players so you know obviously they see something and hector the thinking that someone would pick him up and think that he's somewhat close to the mlb ready so you know like i said wouldn't be surprised to see him break camp with high a an empire uh and it kind of maybe, again, depending on how he's doing, healthy, uh, performing, shoot up through the system, up to AA, and then maybe even finish the season out in AAA. But very cool for those guys to be able to get brought up to the 40-man roster. Congratulations to both of them. Jemai Jones, again, a past guest a couple times on this All Angels podcast. But uh, congratulations to that. And, again, yours, Monty Grandal. We touched on it a little bit when, when the guys were talking but he is now signed with Chicago signed Thursday morning ish uh, four years 73 million dollars which is a lot I think for a catcher um, for the angels to go I, I'm glad that they didn't stretch that far um, you hear some reports teams were in at like 53 60 million uh, but uh, good for him 73 million from the Chicago White Sox oddly the highest the highest, uh, biggest contract, sorry, the biggest contract they have ever given out for a free agency, which to me is kind of crazy for, for a team like that in Chicago, which you would consider kind of a big market. Obviously, them being almost second fiddle. I'm guessing second fiddle now to the Cubs. But, um, yeah, so that, again, that's our episode today. I want to thank Derek C. Apollo from Talking Halos and Taylor Blake Ward from Locked on Angels for, you know, Getting us together and doing this was a lot of fun. Hopefully to do it in the future, you know, before the season starts in the middle of spring training maybe. We'll see how it goes. So definitely, again, highly, highly, highly recommend you going to Talking Halos, same place you get all these podcasts, this podcast, Talking Halos. uh, and then tomorrow, check out Locked On Angels because you know we'll finish off the the conversations there. But uh, a lot of fun with those two guys. And look out for another episode next week. Um, I talked with Aaron Hernandez uh, last week and talked about his season, his 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 uh, first full season in the. Angels system, again, a, a young pitching prospect that would uh, really help the Angels' depth if he's able to um, continue his development and continue his uh, push towards you know the next level, uh, finishing out in single A, and hopefully now he can move up to triple A. But uh, definitely look out for that next year, or next week, sorry, not next year, next week before Thanksgiving. So, again, uh, I'm Dan Garcia, and this has been another edition of the All Angels Podcast.